Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's Josh. Hi, and it's Joe. And you're about to listen to another great episode of the movies that made me. Uh, just want to give you a heads up. Many of the movies. Occasionally, we'll talk about something that's pretty obscure and has never come out on video. Most of the movies we talk about on the show are available at MoviesUnlimited.com, which is the movie collector's website. Yeah, don't waste your time streaming or looking for your favorites on TV. You can own them. Physical media, babies. Yes, go to the TrailersFromHell.com website, click the Movies Unlimited banner on the website, and you can buy your favorites from them or go right to MoviesUnlimited.com. Shipping is always free on orders over $50. Movies, movies, movies. So, Joe, off the top of your head, how many guests do you think we have spoken to on this show since we started? Are we counting the ones who came back? No, no, I'm not counting <laughs> ones who came back, and we count ones that came in pairs okay. as, as a pair. Um, as two. I would think we're getting close to 50. We are getting close to 50. We are going to hit 50 today. This is, uh, we're very excited. This is our 50th guest on the wow. movies that made me. Um, and, uh, in fact, I think we're going to break this one up into two cause it was extra juicy and extra long, but, uh, we should probably what, thank our listeners for sticking with for us, hanging in, hanging in and bringing more people. We get a little bit bigger every week, which is really nice. Um, and, uh, thus ensuring, I guess that we have to keep doing this for a while. Oh, but they can always go back and re, re-listen to the That's old true. Episodes. That's true. But, um, uh, we are very excited. We're very happy to still be here. I had no idea when we started this that we'd, uh, uh, get, get even this far, but, uh, but we have people like it. And our 50th guest is, well, they know by now. Oh, that's the thing. It's, we've talked about this. It's the whole thing with like, you go see a movie and oh, you, know, that's you have right. to pretend you don't know well, who's in know, it. Or, you know, I used to go to movies all the time where the, you know, they were about giant ants or whatever. Right. And then the half of the movie is spent with the characters figuring out that they're, that there's giant ants. ants. And yeah. then of course the, uh, the poster on the front has giant ants on it. Has giant ants. But that's, but that's a trope that's been going on for years. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. I have to congratulate you on your directorial debut. Oh, thank you, sir. uh, Which I was... Save it for the... No, we're going to talk about that. Are you kidding? Aren't we recording? Are we recording? We're always recording. Never stop recording. Never stop recording. (laughs) Anyway, I I, I was particularly taken with your, um, with with the cleverness of having you play a character who was covered up so that when you did the fight scenes, you didn't, (laughs) you didn't have to direct them while actually in them. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, a tried and true, uh, I don't know if other people do that. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter, because I show Buster Keaton movies to my daughters and they oh you you know you're like buster keaton i go well i don't do any of the stunts because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like oh oh he directs it too oh you do that you know and all that but um but yeah that was one of those nice things where everyone went you know alec berg who co-created the show went so you're gonna 
do this big fight because I had described it in the script as this long right. shot, and and I went, no, he's got to be covered. It works for the story that he's covered, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's like, all right, asshole. <laughs> and 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 you know, the, one of the nice things about TV now is that, and, and they do it on HBO, is that that little post uh, show bit oh, yeah. where they give you a little background on the show, yeah. which really does uh, contribute to it. Um, uh, well, let's just, we're, we're, we're here. I'm not even, some people I feel like I interested. We're, we're here with Bill Hader. Hi. Oh, they know that. I know, they, they know that. But um, no, but you brought up, you, you got right into it. I That episode, so, I mean, I, I'm sure you have, more stories of people talking to you about that episode. The right? Ronnie Lilly episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's what's amazing to me is not only how many people saw it and talked about it, but everybody, myself included, I don't always watch the thing at the end, but everybody, after you finish talking about what an amazing episode it is, everyone then goes, did you watch the making of afterwards? Because there's yeah. something, the first thing you have to know is you have to know where that girl came from. Yeah. But I, I bet you that is their highest rated making of <laughs> ever on the history of HBO. Yeah, mate. I mean, the funny thing about those making of is that we have to record those before when, when like half the episodes aren't even cut yet. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of winging it yeah. going, you know, the joke is always like, as of now, this is in, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is in and. So when we talk about the tree shot, you know, where she climbs up the tree, that hadn't been you finished yet. You mean the CG yet. tree? Yeah, so that hadn't been finished yet. So I hadn't seen it done when I was talking about it in that right. thing. So, so I was a bit, um, you know, afterwards going like, it's a CG tree. We you're, you're going to cut that, right? Me talking about it because it might not work. I haven't seen any. <laughs> I haven't seen anything from it, but you have to be all confident. Like, oh wow, we really, uh, yeah, we really landed that one. And Fantastic. then we were in our heads. We're like, I don't know if that that it works. We work. hasn't come back from the from the lab yet. So were you nervous? Uh, not, not so much nervous, more just kind of like, and you know, it's like interested to see if the thing worked or not. You know. Uh, after Saturday Night Live, that's when you're that that's nervous because you it's one shot in front of the whole nation. And like so, that, somebody that, somebody yeah. sent me uh, two Saturday Night Live clips, um, I, knowing that I was going to see you uh, that I hadn't seen, uh, and it was the ventriloquist bit. Oh, yeah, the Anthony Coleman, yeah, which was really dark and very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these two guys, John Solomon and Rob Klein, wrote that. That was one of just a gift, you know. You walk in on Wednesday at the table read, and there's like a puppet next to my <laughs> scripts, and, I'm, and with a little note from them being like, you know, you're gonna need this for our sketch, which is you know number ten on the lineup or whatever. Oh, okay. And I get it, and I just started laughing, you know. Oh, like, it's really oh this good. is weird, it's you know. Very funny. Uh, uh, they also did wrote one where I was a very effeminate firefighter who was very angry that his ex girlfriend was at a. A fire at a benefit for um to, to raise money for the firehouse and i was this very effeminate firefighter who flips out when his, his ex-girlfriend's there and um marty short it's like his favorite thing i've ever done every time <laughs> i see him he's like that firefighter thing is the f i look because i really blew my voice out he screams and everything but um and then my favorite thing about that sketch was the name of it was the firehouse incident. <laughs> <laughs> that was it just says the firehouse incident. Yeah. It's I mean, we don't this is so funny. I'm sitting here like I knew this was 
coming, and I knew we'd um, we we don't we pride ourselves on the fact that that we never talk about. Oh, that's our true. Guest, we, our we, guest work, but but there's gone, literally no way to. Our... No, well, we have to for this one because it's going to. The I think I told you the theme is going to tie into the work, which is perfect because, um, and I think it's fair to kind of break with our tradition because I was just saying, Joe, it, it hit me on the way over. Honestly, my favorite cinematic experience so far of 2019 is is that episode of Barry. Oh, that's nice. I mean, say, man. and, wow, and it was you. it was such a pleasure to find out you had directed it as well as written it, and it's oh, just. But it's its own film. It's its own standalone. I've showed it to five people who were not watchers of the show before. Yeah. They do now. And it works. I think there's two lines of dialogue in there that reference anything that's happened on the yeah, show Yeah, yeah. We had to put that in. So yeah. It made sense. <laughs> but um, but so it's 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 fair to talk about Barry, which is great because it is, I think, my favorite show on TV right now. And um, uh, uh, as I said, the best, the best movie of the year so far. Oh, thank you. But um, – uh, we asked you to come in with something and, and, uh, Bill, Bill suggested, um, he thought it'd be fun. And I thought it'd be great to talk about movies, especially when you told me what some of them were movies that had influenced you in your creation. And, uh, I'm trying to do, Barry. I'm trying to do this show. Yeah. Cause everybody goes, Oh, what TV shows are you watching? And, and I was like, well, I, I don't really watch a whole lot of television. Uh, I like, you know, like the show Atlanta I like, and there's a, there was a show called Detroiters, but Tim Robinson show I liked and stuff, but I, I, yeah, I don't really watch a lot of TV and, and, um, so it was more films. And I think when I got with Brandon Trost, who shot the pilot and then Paolo Widobro, she shot the series and it shot every episode. Um, those were and, and then in the writer's room with Alec, you know, it was always movies and books too, you know? And, uh, they were always a bit surprised when I, you know, when I was saying like, yeah, let's watch, you know, uh, yeah, you two mama Tambien or whatever. And they go, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Well, that, that's yeah. kind of as, as someone who is, I would say, you know, a, a surface fan before the show. I mean, obviously knew a lot of your work, but had not sort of, you know, really sat down and focused on you obsessively. Um, <laughs> as he does now. Yeah. 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 You should see my house. Which yeah. Posters everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife left me a month. Anyway. Um, no, but it, it was not a surprise. It started to become clear watching the show and then to find out it's like, oh, this guy's hardcore cineast, if you'll forgive yeah. the word, um, uh, which was a delight to find out. Because somehow you don't normally associate, especially with, something about TV these days. I don't associate people who are making TV with hardcore movie fanaticism yeah it, it oozes out of barry it's oh cool no i mean you see i think those are the shows i liked i remember seeing sopranos and yeah. hearing the emma she like boone well and you see that in those yeah. those dream sequences and and um in atlanta i know hiram murai oh. and he's like a total we just are constantly texting you know re, you know uh recommendations or you know, things on the Criterion channel or, you know, or I just saw this crazy thing. You guys got to watch it. You know, it's always, you know, in that, that world, but it's fun. Yeah. It's very fun. <laughs> and how, what, what brought you to like the, the hardcore love of movies, if anything? Or um, just I think just growing up and then, you know, my parent, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My parents both love movies. I mean, we weren't really like a TV uh, family. I mean, my dad likes sports and stuff like that, but re really it was, um, movies, just going to the movies, watching them on television. And that's, I mean, that's so many of my memories kind of, you know, revolve around 
watching movies. And I remember, you know, one memory I always think of is watching um, the, the Charles Lawton of uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame when he swings down, you know, and grabs Marina Hara, the sanctuary scene. But the shot, how he starts way in the back, and then he comes into frame and <laughs> grabs her. And I remember that happening, and my mother, I was on the floor, and my mother was on the couch. And when that happened, she went, <gasps> like she caught her breath. <laughs> and I just thought that was, that's a thing, you know, when you're a kid, you go, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> whoa, what was that, you know? like, And then I got really excited by that moment, you know? And so you kind of want to go, oh, I like to, I like to, and then I always notice names. You know, at the end, it was never movie stars. I was never that interested. It was always this kind of people like Joe Dante, you know, watching, you know, seeing, oh, wow, the guy who did uh, Gremlins also did Piranha, which was on television, which I <laughs> right. loved, and also did The Howling, which I had to sneak out of a video store because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to rent it, you know, and also did The Burbs and, all, you know what I mean? So by the time The Burbs poster came up, I remember at Annex 7 seeing the poster and looking down going, oh, cool, Joe Dante. And I was like 10, you know? And so I was like- Like all my fans. No, no, but I was so excited by that, you know? And and that, and um, so, yeah. No, I don't know why my, mine is, I mean, I'm a huge movie guy, but the the one that got me, somehow I grew up, my my mother, for whatever reason, had Sergeant Pepper. Mm -hmm. Um, It was her one rock and roll album. That's not true, there were two, but but Sergeant Pepper was one of the two rock and roll albums she had numbered. Getting to a certain age, oh, wait, realizing, I thought you were saying the movie, the Robert oh, Stigwood. No, 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 but but beat, no, I can't. I, even I can't make a case. But uh, um, but no, that I remember the moment I realized there are other Beatles albums. Yeah, it's like holy shit, they made other music. I, I remember when I, I was seeing watching W. C. Fields movies and, and the, the ones from the '30s, and uh, I, I just thought, uh, God, you know, how many how many more of these are there? And 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 then once I've seen them all, there won't be any more. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's I mean, awful feeling. There's that. Yeah, there's this awful. Um, yeah, where you just go. That's it. Because I was. Yeah, I don't. I would. I, I, I see one thing, and I had to see all the other ones. Yeah. And just and then that's so much fun when you get to do that. I just did that with um, Edward Yang. You know that that the. Uh, uh, Taiwanese director did uh, Yi Yi and he oh, did um, um, Rider Summer Day and, and all those things. And I would try to find his movies and you'd kind of see the growth of somebody, whatever. But then you get to Yi Yi and you're like, that's it. <laughs> you're just like, oh no, no more. Never Yang movies. These are phenomenal, man. I want to watch more of these. Start and I get over. and I get sad. And then I, yeah, then you start over and then you see, you well, know, you see different things. You see different like, depending things. Depending on how old you are, you watch them. Yeah, I watched. I tried watching, uh, it was just too, but my kids always want to watch older movies at times. Like, oh, you know, it's Father's Day. And they're like, we watch what you want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh, how about let's, we want to try to watch Duck Soup. Maybe we'll watch that. I like this movie. And uh, his, uh, Groucho's entrance into that movie is like one of the funniest where you know the giant hail hail for Daniel, the people come out and he sleeps and he comes right. in the wrong way and and then uh all that stuff i just i just was laughing so hard because i forgot how funny that opening was yeah you just notice little little um or my python the holy grail when uh when uh when uh 
when they, you know, son, someday all this will be yours. What the curtains, you know? <laughs> it was like, I forgot about that joke and I'm watching my and I just started laughing. So I was like, oh, that's so good. What the curtains? No, not the bleeding curtains. <laughs> how did, how did uh, the marshmallows play for your kids? Uh, it was all right. The, the the Harpo bits, I think, played better than anything because sure. they're like silent movie yeah. and he's so lovable. I think the 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 Groucho stuff went over their heads a bit. I think that'll take some time. But they it's, love Buster but he's Keaton. he's always there. He's always there. They love Buster Keaton movies. And then I tried to get him to watch uh, Charlie Chaplin. They weren't really into Charlie Chaplin. Really? And I said, why? And they go, Charlie Chaplin, I like Buster Keaton more. And I go, why? And they go, Charlie Chaplin wants me to like him so much. Oh, wow. oh, yeah, wow. Six years old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Because, boy, that is the difference. Yeah. Between yeah. They go, he just wants me to like him so much. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're not wrong at all. It's yeah. just like love me, love me thing versus the, the stone face. You know, Dangerous, which is great. Yeah, I know. I was like, well, <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, don't ever look at me, kids. Yeah, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Um, well, do you want to do you want to sort of start with uh, yeah, whatever you like, want to what, talk what's your, about? What's your, uh, That's all we do. We just sort of just do. Do I don't know. know. Let's we, just we, talk. We'll give you a list and you walk through your list or something. But you, you threw out some really interesting films. I can't remember what I said now. Um, <laughs> oh, oh well, uh, I uh, I will say one. Um, what was one movie that I gave you a list and then I remember Canal was on the list. Oh yeah, Canal. Canal's on the okay, list. Okay, so yes. those Vita movies, especially season two. I got the oh, canal, a generation, and uh, he thinks of them as seasons. The I thought, yeah, I know. He thinks of these. <laughs> no, it, oh, oh no, 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 no. Barry season two. <laughs> Barry season two. Barry season two. Not yeah, yeah. Andre Vida's War Trilogy season two. Canal. Yes. Um, no, um, when we were when we were prepping uh, Barry season two, that's why I always I was watching those Vida movies and um, especially Canal which has an amazing opening shot that just goes on forever and ever and ever. And then just the whole idea of these guys underground. And, and, and it's one of those movies, it, it's just phenomenal. But the weird, the kind of, is like motive, he had these really long, interesting shots, but they were all kind of motivated. It wasn't, you know, showy. it wasn't showy, but you felt that you felt it. And I, so I showed those to my DP and was trying to design shots that, that yeah, they weren't crazy showy, but they they were it was still cinematic. You still were using the camera. It just wasn't you know things weren't just kind of flat or anything. And his uh, the storytelling was great. And then so those movies were massively influential, uh, especially uh, in the last episode of season two, the gunfight in the last episode, where I would mm. try to just do a series of dolly shots that, and that was it. It was like two dolly shots and that, that got you out of the, this one room into another room. And it was kind of like, just, um, that was very Vita inspired. And then you do it and then people watch it and they go, gosh, that looks, that was, that's like Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I, I know I'm not, he's great. You know, or something like, it's like the Coen brothers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's very much like the, I guess. And I'm like, no, it's Andre Vida, man. Fuck they you guys. All these movies too. No, man, come on. You know? So yeah, you get a little like, um, but yeah, that motivated camera work and Polanski does the same thing too. You know, I guess yeah. it's that Polish school of filmmaking. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But there's but. also the, um, cause you had, a, you, you 
talked about ashes and diamonds as well. You put that on the yeah. List. And just just narratively, there's the the whole sort of idea of the you know the essentially hitman. Yeah, who's sort of slowly connecting to life and deciding. Yeah, he falls in love and says, I don't want to really do this anymore. And the opening of Ashes and Diamonds, I've shown to, I've shown that the most out of anything and trying to get the tone of how to shoot the violence and bury. Oh, into the guy's opening. um, Where they're just waiting for that, with that guy. And all you hear, there's no music, just birds. That little girl wants to put the flower on the thing and he goes, get her out of here. So now you have this kind of, there's these stakes. Oh my God, is this little girl going to get yeah. hurt? And then you hear the car. And when he, he shoots the, the, uh, there, there's a shot where he, sh- he just shoots this um, Jeep and the Jeep just goes up. It's all one shot where he runs down, shoots the Jeep, but you see everybody in the frame. It's yeah. all very well composed. And Jeep goes up. I think there's a quick cut to the, you see the guy's dead. And then it goes right back to that initial shot. And it's just, Steve, I you count the setups and it's like three shots, three setups. Right. And you go, that's all you, look. I would just, I was like, look, this is all we need. <laughs> it's just it's, these three, it's simple. three yeah. to four setups, you know, yeah. and then we're good, you know. Which is why we were talking before you came on about the, you know, um, uh, you know, I don't know when you watch them or if you're even aware of, I have no idea what it's like to be doing your show, but um, the, the, uh, the, the fifth episode that we've discussed played right after the giant hour, oh, 45 yeah. minute Game of yeah. Thrones battle yeah. episode, Yeah, which again, is just, it's, it's night and day. They're sort of here. They have $300 trillion and 4,000 setups and a billion extras yeah. and all the CG in the world. And, and, and here's a fight scene that, as you say, is just very, very spare and yet, um, uh, I would argue significantly more engaging. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we went to the screening they had of that episode. They had a screening at the man Chinese of that episode, the night that uh, it aired and they had a party afterwards. So Alec and I were at this party when the Lorani Lily episode initially aired and we were sitting there watching this going like, Oh my God, we have to follow this. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, there's a little girl jumps on a big guy and stabs him. And I go, <laughs> are you right. fucking kidding me? What are the chances? That, <laughs> well, I felt like that, that was happening. You know what I, mean? I don't know if you expect, you know, you just go, how, what? You know, we were like, we're like no one's going to care. No one's going to care. And then, then my editor sent me all these memes of like oh, the side by side, like, or like things of the night of kick-ass girls with knives on Fantastic. HBO. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Well, I, I felt like it kept happening that there was always like a little thematic tie-in somehow to the extent that like, I, I was very disappointed at the end of the, the final episode of that or anything that, that know-how Hank doesn't ascend to the throne. I thought oh, that would be yeah, yeah. Or the That's big, how you cap the Game of Thrones. Yeah, Big Dragon <laughs> came down and just set yep. the monastery on fire. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Would've yeah. Been Those guys are really nice, though. They always... Um, Dan and Dave, they always send us really nice emails like when after they watch the show and they're like, ah, oh, it's so good. And, and we just say, Great. thank you for giving us a bigger audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, now you have to carry that for HBO, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But do you, um, when, when did you first uh, come across Why? That was that? Um... I think I saw him just to, uh, um, he, he, I get really excited by, filmmakers like lists you know if a filmmaker will say their you know their favorite films mm-hmm. and if it's something that i haven't seen before it takes you down a different road and his name would show up especially ashes and diamonds would show up on mm-hmm. some of these lists and then i think kubrick like uh, danton that movie mm-hmm. and I, I so i was like oh i should try to find that and you know he's just a name that kept 
And didn't you, you, you were a, weren't you a customer at Cinephile too? Oh my gosh. I was one of the first customers. I was one of the first customers at Cinephile and they, uh, Hadrian would just give me massive shit. (laughs) You know, I remember one time going in and he goes, let me guess, you're going to see a racer head tonight. And I go, well, how do you know? And I had an eraser head t-shirt on. And I was like, <laughs> all right, fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, maybe not. <laughs> I'm not that kind of a loser that wears the band shirt to the concert. But uh, I did. And I, I remember right when that opened, it was like probably 20, exactly 20 years ago because I moved to L.A., right around the time it opened and i had never seen growing up in oklahoma a video store that had the by director yeah. uh thing so i could just walk in i remember walking in and going to jean pierre melville section and just went, took them all walked yeah. them up put them all in the thing i'm like can i rent all these please and just yeah just blowing through them it was great yeah that's no, amazing amazing store um all uh, video stores alas are uh a casualty of our yeah enlightened age yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's one of them. now it's so weird too because it, you would try to go find a movie and i remember trying to find um uh you know there'd be all just different types of films you know uh that were you know the I remember like you know those early Werner herzog movies were hard to find and and um, I saw Aguirre Ratha God on television, I think. Wow. It was on TV late at night or something and just PBS uh, or something. Yeah. And yeah. my mind was blown. Yeah. I just went. You might just stumbling across. <laughs> I just went, this is like a historical epic, but someone sent like a 60 millimeter camera back to the past because yeah. you know, water is getting on the lens and yeah. you don't see, you're always with them. I mean, that movie is a, I find master class and point of view is just yep. you're you're you never there's never a shot behind the natives onto them and that it's so effective and it's so simple well, it's humid and, and sweaty and yeah you just go this is like terrible it's yeah and the guy you're with is like Klaus Kinski, it just sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst the biggest nightmare on earth um and just seeing that movie and the music and the whole thing i just thought was phenomenal and then going to my neighborhood blockbuster they're like a gear what (laughs) werner what (laughs) man don't you want it here's speed two (laughs) (laughs) why don't you just got jason patrick um, I mean, that is, you know, the video stores are gone, but my God, you now have access to all everything. Well, That's what I was about to say Blu-ray, is now, yeah. now, but my, you can't look at the box. You, you can't, can't look, look at, at the box, box and you can't, you don't know anything about the movie. Now, if you no. go to the Criterion channel, there is a little blurb that will explain, yeah. you know, sort of what it is. And they're very helpful. Yeah. Movie does this too. Uh, in if you like this, then here's some other stuff for yeah. those people, or here's some other things in the genre, which is, which is good. But I think for the most part, people have been robbed of the ability, like like bookstores, you know. Now you're yeah. going to buy your book from Amazon, yeah. and you're going to look up what people thought about it, and you're going to look about what the what the publisher has to say about it. But you can't hold the book. In yeah, your you hand. can't you make can't, that decision. You can't see how up. long it is. You can't right. look at part of it. You can't. Well, you don't have that, that weird person behind the counter who's like, "You're the guy who read that book. You know what you'd like." Yeah. Well, that's, well that was the video store. Too. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, that was CD yeah, store. going to yeah video stores or buying music or anything. Yeah. That kind of. Uh, um, it's like the public part of it has been taken away. It's it's oh, yeah. Yeah. everything is now on a, on a screen. 
They had the greatest record store in the universe in Redondo Beach. I would drive for like half an hour to get there. And it was got to, got to the point where I would walk in the door and the guy would go, oh, and he'd pull out two or three CDs and go here. And I would just buy them. Yeah. They weren't yeah. halftime bands I'd never heard of. Now, that's the best feeling is that my kids won't have is they can just dial it up real quick and say, you know, I remember going to the video. I mean, for me, you go to the movie theater, you go to the video store with my dad and whatever you got was what you got. Right. And but now I had an, this thing. It was of, an event. It was, it was an event. Life. It was huge. And now it's kind of like, we're not into this. What else you got? We're not into this one. Push what else you got? I've Push given it five minutes. Uh, I'm done with this. Well, you know Move what Netflix used to do? They don't anymore. And there was a period there where I kind of loved it where um, you'd pull up the movie and there'd be the description. And at the bottom, there would be like, if you like that, you might like these. Yeah. And I used to just perversely, I would take a film I liked and then I would drop about 30 generations till you come to the movies that no one has ever heard of. Yeah. That are almost always terrible. Yeah. Which is the most bizarre, obscure, yeah. strange. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just wish it was, I just always liked the feeling of, yeah, looking at the boxes and, yeah. and I, you know, and growing up in Tulsa, a lot of places, it was like the horror section was three times bigger than any of the other sections. <laughs> it was such a massive market. And you would just look at the back of the, the horror box. You know, the, you know, I remember looking at the, you know, the back of evil dead two and Bruce Campbell with a severed hand or around his neck and just be like, what is this? You I know, this. I have to see this, yeah. you know, and, uh, uh, and you know, and, and getting excited again, my name would just immediately go down. My eyes would immediately go down to the director and go, who did this? Oh, that guy. Oh, that guy also did this. Oh, okay. Why well, you know, or, oh, okay. Amy Heckerling. Okay. She did. Well, that's wow, why, you know, you're vacation we, um, in this. You know. That's why we started Trailers from Hell. It was yeah. just to basically get uh, people uh, to see that old movies do have contemporary people who like them, which yeah. means you can like them too. And also when you hear what they have to say about it, uh, it, it will take you to other places you know there's other other aspects of this movie the writer the director this that's the, the most fun about yeah. it. that's the most fun about all this stuff is 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 going down that rabbit hole and then discovering things but like you said it's an event it's when you when you find you know go into cinephile and you find the jean pierre melville movies it's like oh my gosh i i'm gonna take two of these home and i'm gonna really study them and then take them back there's no like I'm bored after five minutes and turn it off. And well, it's also know. just that extra, you know, you've, you've put in the physical, you put in the physical get, labor you're get and the joy chance. of looking at something and they have it Do you remember that yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, the, the, I, I think that part of my generation's infatuation with film was that we made an effort to leave our homes yeah. Go to the theater. Well, that's no. Yeah. Pay your money. Too. Sit your sit there. Watch the movie. Hopefully, a double feature. Uh, and then when you come back, you've actually expended a number of hours of your yeah. life on yeah. this event of yeah. going to see this movie. And so, whatever it is that you saw, if you liked it, it had much more of an impact, right? Because it was part of the way you were living your life. It yeah. wasn't just well, let's see if we can push this button and see what's interesting. Yeah. You know, it it's you I don't know that today's generation is going to be able to embrace that feeling anymore. Well, yeah. hopefully the other the experience that replaces it will be enriching in its own way. That's always virtual the, reality. I don't know. <laughs> um but to give it you know, you, you, I'm trying to 
pull a whole bunch of disparate things together. You talk about reality. You talk about horror. And you talk about movies that influence other movies. And I'm going to do this masterful thing and bring it back to one of the movies on your list. Um, you talk about Virgin Spring. Oh yeah, that's why he's here. Yeah, Virgin Spring, <laughs> which is such a distinctly it, it stands alone in well it's no last house Bergman's on the left film. yeah, yeah that so was we'll, a, that well that was the weird thing was having seen last house on the left first yeah and watching virgin spring and then going oh fuck <laughs> you bastard yeah yeah last house on the left you're like oh i thought i you want just you made... to blow your brains out <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that from the like, no, I want you to blow your brains out. <laughs> that guy had like the most like, but I, I don't know, man. I, I love Virgin Spring just cause it's, uh, um, again, I think in Barry, the, the idea of, of, um, uh, just the, the primal kind of violence and how violence destroys people and how revenge kind of, you know, uh, destroys people and and the way that he depicts the violence in it, and I think the still I mean that movie's what nineteen sixty yeah that rape scene is off I mean any rape scene but that I mean it's it, it he just I, for the time it came out it's still very hard yeah, to watch it's very, very very rough and and not. I mean, certainly not shot in a way that is designed to. That's not exploitive. Not exploitive it's not at, at all. all. Yeah, at it's all. Just like it's not. It's just. It, it's just saying. And again, no music, which I like. It's just kind of you're the point of view of um, one of the perpetrators, almost yeah. your point of view of the kid. I always feel like when I watch the rape scene, the young boy is yeah. afraid, who's kind of watching they, and this happen. And the way happen. they deal with the kid is pretty. Tough too. Yeah. Sure. Max von Sydow. And any other movie, you've been like, now you get out of here and go, you know, and now he murders him, you know, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some kind of thing. And you just go, yeah, I get, I get Max. I totally get the anger. I get that. I, you know, when he starts flogging himself, it's terrifying, but I, I, I get it. You know, there's like something very finite, emotional and something very simple about it. And then, yeah, I just find him with the tree too. The tree, the, the tree shot. I mean, that's when people talk about Bergman. I always go, yeah. I always think of that tree shot. We just, that's it's very this is amazing. poetic. Probably, I'm, I'm falling down here just very quickly. So Last House on the Left is a Wes Craven movie that was actually based, shockingly, on, on the Mar Bergman film, uh, The Virgin Spring. Our hope is that at least half our audience doesn't know the movies we're talking about and that we're <laughs> yeah. bringing them to it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a very simple plot. It's a, a, a young girl is is raped and murdered by a couple of uh, thugs. It's set in, what is it, like 16th century yeah. Sweden. And then... Uh, coincidentally end up staying with the family of the, uh, the farmer, the, the parents of, of the girl who's been murdered, who then takes out his revenge. And that's yeah, it. That's it. That's the story. And, yeah. But it's a very powerful. Yeah. The, there's this whole sequence where Fonsito, uh, Max Fonsito is the father, where he's, I mean, obviously there's religious overtones and I don't. There's a lot going on. There's very many layers that it's yeah. even hard to even. Like before he goes off to kill them, he tries to tear down a tree and then whips yeah. himself. But there's no, yeah. yeah, that scene with him in the trees. Yeah. That just the image of that, of just yeah. the futility of, of nature. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's the futility, not to sound super pretentious, but it's just, yeah. just one man against this. He's just nature. trying to pull a tree out of the well, ground. It's just, and, yeah. And you get it on some weird level of like, yeah, this is just the way the world is yeah. and you can't yeah. fight it. And, but he does it in one single image and yeah, no, it's, it's a and Criterion just came up with a massive box set, yeah. which is all the the edit, the post staff on 
Barry was, we were all, we were all watching those because it came out, you know, I think around the time we were starting post. So everybody was like, did you get to this yet? Did you get to this movie yet? You know, just a bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Sawdust, and, Sawdust and Tensel wasn't my bag, dude. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what is this, like 38 movies? Oh, yeah, it's like 40 movies. Ugh. Autumn Sonata fucking knocked me out, man. It's fucking rough. <laughs> like, all right, dude. I'm still working my way through the, uh, the Zanoichi set. Oh, like, yeah, Zero. yeah, that one's massive. <laughs> yeah. And they left out the last one. Do you know that? Which one? There's a, there's a Zanoichi film that uh, he made you know, 20 years later when he's a very old man That's, really uh, yeah yeah just just came out finally on blu-ray yeah see, I'm, I'm still in the lone the lone wolf and cub oh yeah the, movies, oh, so i'll yeah, be watching yes. those and um yeah the, i think the, there's the, at least one of my one version where a couple of them are cut together into uh <laughs> well, <that's Lone> wolf. <laughs> yeah they cut the first two together yeah. for the american version which is a good movie in its own have you ever seen the american and they cut together the first two lone wolf and cub movies and they added this kind of it came straight out of miami vice kind of jan hammer oh that's score. funny that's actually really good does that have the scene where he go where they go into the place where the guy's in the pot and he splits the yeah. pot down the middle yes. and it cuts up and the guy's yep. dead yeah, yeah. Yep. and they all come down from the like the ceiling yeah and, yeah it's i like those movies those are great I tried. I watched one a Sonny Chiba movie late, like called Wolf Guy. Have you guys ever seen a Sonny Chiba movie called Wolf Guy? And the best part about it was they interviewed the director, who I can't remember his name. And the whole time he's like, "Why are you making a special edition DVD of this?" <laughs> he goes, and, he's, and it's all subtitled, and he's just sitting there, this old you know Japanese smoking a cigarette, just like. I have no idea with a little fishing cap on. Like, I have no idea why anybody would want to watch this again. He goes, I did it purely for money. Sonny had a contract with these people. It is a terrible idea. It is awful. And then I had just watched it with this, like, oh, man, this is so kind of brilliant, avant-garde and cheap, but kind of cool. And I, you know, it was from... You know, film nerd, forty-five years in the future, going, what an amazing piece of work! And he's like, right. what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> this is shit. <laughs> no, but I, I wonder if you had Edgar Elmer to do a commentary on Detour at the time, if you would have said the same thing. Though. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's. No, there's a there's a, there's a school of thought now that's come out that uh, Lou Landers actually uh, get directed the picture. What? what? Yes, yes. I just read, I just read this. It's I think it's on the Criterion uh, essay. Really? Uh, and it's about uh, how apparently things were at PRC were fairly fluid. And uh, when the picture was initially begun, uh, Lou Landers was supposed to direct it. And so apparently on a lot of the slates, it says Lou Landers. Um, huh. but of course, you know, Ariana Ulmer says, well, that's not true. I mean, Edgar directed the whole picture and, you know, but, and, and it, and it, but this new version, this new criterion uh, print of it is the best I've ever seen. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it takes away the grunge factor. It yeah. now actually looks like a studio picture. It looks like a beautiful movie, though? but yeah, it is this we weird thing where then I've always used to watching Detour yeah, looking like, terrible. Looking <laughs> terrible. And that's kind of the weird charm of it. It's like this weird, 
you know, s- s- you know, satellite thing from like a hell, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's from some other world. That, that channel that you used to watch when you were a kid that was real. I, I was in New Jersey, but there were Philadelphia channels that ran horror movies. Right. And yeah. they could come in kind of yes. snowy like on your yeah. show. Yeah. You'd, still, you'd still have trouble two hearing morning, it. Channel two o'clock in the morning, you Jersey could still watch yeah. Devil Just Girl enough. from Mars, you know. Right. Yeah. But but I yeah I think I've talked about this on the show. I remember when you know in the laser disc days when uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out and they remastered it. I remember looking at the back and there's Toby Hooper going, "It looks just the way it did through my viewfinder." And I'm thinking, "Oh, I don't want to look. Yeah, I don't, don't want to look, look at through your viewfinder. I want to see it kind of. There's like a nice like it looked at the drive-in. Yeah, yeah it looked at the drive-in. <laughs> I mean, those all stains. those Corman movies. Anytime I see something that's like really nicely swabbed or something i kind of go oh the nice thing about this is seeing like the pops and the crackles in it and i remember bucket of blood when i first saw that movie uh it was on late night television it was a terrible transfer and i just there was and it was a that and then after that was straight jacket so i I saw both those the same night and i was like this is great and you get the, the dvd of it and they've done yeah. a nice job and i'm like well i don't right. want a bucket of blood on blue well it's 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 but public domain it. that's the problem yeah you never know but there's a good i think it's out on blue right now oh no it looks great yeah i don't want that i have it but, but it I, looked but in the theater originally it looked fine yeah yeah you, you know it's I just think that only, this too. I well, so many people only saw it on television technology exists anybody who knows this stuff do it easily i just want an app for a blu-ray player dvd player that i just flip a switch and it and makes it look shitty. And there's like eight different versions of shitty. I know. Look, we're such a like, we're so <laughs> in the minority notes. here right now. <laughs> People are like, so you want us to make it look worse? You want us to spend the, money on making it look like shit? music era where everybody had the fake sound of the oh, music yeah. going down and crackling. Everyone loved yeah. that. This would be, I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's another one, TCM, I got that. I'll, sometimes I'll email them over there and say, can you, I can't find this. Can you help me? And one was a Robert Wise movie called Blood on the Moon. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Like Robert Preston's the bad guy. <laughs> and uh, the DVD came and I, I was very excited about it. And it, and it, and it was there. Tra- and it, and it kind of started and it was kind of like not the most perfect transfer. And I was elated (laughs) (laughs) i have to admit and they sent me hey it's not the best transfer whatever i'm like ah no you have no idea this is so great for me because i this is felt like watching it you know and you know all the blacks were kind of faded and that this you know it's there you know i was reading about it it's like it's a noir western but it kind of looked all just didn't look right you must have liked grindhouse yeah. Oh, the movie with Grindhouse? Yeah. yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah. With all the scratches and the yeah. pops. And the... I like that, but I like watching the older, finding the the older movies and those yeah, sure. directors. You guys will know this, and I'm trying to, wait, I'm blanking on his name now. Oh, gosh. Directed The Nanny. Seth, Seth Holt. Seth Holt. Seth Holt. Good director. Who, what was the one he made with the woman in the wheelchair? A Scream of Fear. Scream of Fear. That movie was on. I just, that was another one where I just watched that. Uh, on yeah, you know, on TCM one night, 
and got the Blu-ray or whatever. And that was when I was happy because, man, it looked gorgeous. Yeah. It looked unbelievably gorgeous. He's a phenomenal He's director. a very good director. God, he uh, he so... died young. Yeah? He was a terrible smoker and an alcoholic. And he died in the mid, 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 midway or early in shooting Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Yeah. And uh, they went ahead and finished the movie without him. But, uh, but he was, his career didn't go the way it should have, but he was really talented. Yeah, station, station Six Sahara. That's the one I can't find. They don't even have a TCM. That's either. really a good picture. Carol Baker. I've been trying to find that. Scorsese talks about that movie too. People like yeah, I no. can't find I can't find that movie anyway. Sixteen millimeter. How do we get that? Let's organize <laughs> a screening. Let's organize a screening. Yeah, I would love to see Surely that. that can be. Um, Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, you also you 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 um, you had Itumama. You mentioned it earlier too. Itumama Tabien, which uh, I just recently watched, and and when you mentioned it, I'm going okay. I mean, obviously, great film and brilliantly directed. But in terms of the Barry connection, um, well, um, we have a thing. Paolo Widobro, our DP, she used to work for Emmanuel Lubeski. She's yeah. worked with him a couple of times as an operator, and I don't usually like going handheld especially on 30 minute comedy because i just feel like it's done a lot and so there was this thing because his nickname i think a lot of people know is chivo so i would say you can go handheld but it's gotta be chivo handheld and well, what's that so we watched you two moments tambien the handheld and that and the way uh and the light is very natural yeah i just like the way it's lit and uh so uh, chivo handheld was is like a shorthand on the Barry set and it and it and and there's a shot in the Ronnie Lilly episode where I'm in a car and it's moving and it's a rig on a car and it's a shot's fully just taken right out of YouTube on the Tambien of one of the kids and I was and Paula we were lining it up and she went well if we go higher and more to the left it looks like you know your fucking favorite movie <laughs> <laughs> Because I would always weirdly reference it, but it does nothing in Barry would make you think it nothing at all. Sense, yeah. But I would just always like, well, you know, like you two mama Tim. Well, you do like, have all the sex. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, we have tons of sex in the yes. movie. Yeah. That's yeah, so funny also about you two mama Tim was was that that they um how much they kind of embraced how much uh, how influenced it was by the new wave stuff. You know, yeah. it's so just very much like those kind of Godard movies, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, uh, um, with the narrator and the kind of jumping in time. And yeah. That, that great. Yes. Where everything just stops cold. Yeah. And I just, and I think all the performances are great. Well, I just, really to, to me, it's, it's that movie. That movie is, it, it's crazy. Cause I had, I had watched with my wife recently and, and she had to point this out to me because you, you guys will get it. It's like, it's nothing I notice to me. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's just a guy eating a sandwich, smoking a cigarette, taking a leak, and talking on the phone at the same time. What's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. But to her, <laughs> yeah, this is not a thing women do, nor is it a thing that women are generally privy to us doing. Yeah, right. Obviously, they're going, yeah, what? Well, it's a guy talking to his friend. But he's yeah. literally smoking, eating, mm. peeing, and talking on the phone at yeah. the same time. And yeah. I just, and I realized, I, I should put it, I've never seen that in a movie before. I, I remember just when it came <laughs> out, watching it, and just appreciating it so much. Yeah. And also, it's just like a hot movie. It's just really, it's yeah. like a very oh, sexy yeah. movie. You're like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, that's what uh, on the DVD they say. So many people have come up to them and saying like, hey, you see that little kid over there? 
They were conceived the night we saw your movie. <laughs> 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 but uh, but mostly, yeah, the handheld stuff and the Chivo handheld. That was why I mentioned that one. And that we've Maybe taken a couple I of shots. I assume you've a fan of his work all along. Alfonso. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I think Children of Men is uh, oh, unreal. Oh, amazing movie. I, I try, that might be my favorite one of his. I've seen that maybe 20 times i saw i think i was on silent live and i saw that movie i want to say at least 10 times in the theater i kept on grabbing people going you got to go see this you got to go see this we got to come on we got to go see this movie and i just thought it was phenomenal yeah and i watched that recently that could easily been on the list too that's one i always watch to just get excited about doing this stuff you know so well, much of it too is just an inspiration it doesn't have and like watching the yeah. the stuff that makes you you know excited you know yeah that, that makes that, you want to make movies yeah yes. yeah i remember aspire to something wanting to make movies but then watching your stuff and being like wow this is like so sleek to me and i'm like how would i ever get a chance to do this and then i saw the Sam Raimi movie, the first evil dead, which was basically just a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds yeah. and an airy BL in the, in the, and, in a the shopping woods. Cart. and a shopping cart <laughs> and just went, Oh, it was like being into music yeah. and only listening to like Pink Floyd and King, King Crimson or something. And then you hear punk for the first time and you go, Oh, I can actually, right. this is hitting me on right. the same level, but I think I can actually do this. Yeah. And so there's a lot of videos I have, when I was 15, of chasing so my Joe sisters around. And, yeah, I think he yeah. is King Crimson. Wow. If he'd seen my first movie. I was like, have you seen it, it, Rock and Roll High School? <laughs> <laughs> Rock and Roll High School's great. That wasn't my first Rock and Roll High School. No, I don't want to say that. Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard is great. It makes anybody think they can make a movie. Hollywood Boulevard was the first one to, was that the first one to make to fully parody the, I always say it wrong, but the Italian slasher, the Mario Bava's, the Giallo, 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 the Mario Bava's. I don't know that anybody had parodied before, no. Most people didn't, most people didn't take those pictures I feel like the Giallo parody market pretty much died out by the time you guys. Well, yeah, 70, those weren't even. There are so many, like, so many the dog and the crystal plumage. The crystal plumage. Lampos. Yeah, all those crappy ones. Yeah, all those gallo okay, fine, as long parody as movies. Four, <laughs> fleas, four, <laughs> four fleas on blue. Uh, blue what? <laughs> These are only jokes that will work at this. <laughs> yeah, There's nine yeah. people listening to the show. We're going to laugh this. really hard. So, no, there's yeah, only eight yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come up with your favorite Giallo parody uh, title. Giallo parody titles right now. <laughs> they haven't already been used, by the way. Yeah, we could we could run on the on the internet a little um, yeah. uh, commentary under explaining. Explain yes, everything uh, we're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, like the uh, twitch and the death thing. noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what to tie one it back. One of the greatest titles the of all time. Twitch of the death nerve. What used Setting to the cats do that? Out. Now, have, there was a. I want to say the Laserdisc. When Lone Wolf and Cub came out on Laserdisc, there was a company that was putting them out that um, not just subtitled them. Subtitles were in white, but in yellow, they uh, they footnoted them. Mm-hmm. Meaning they yeah, would, that's what we need, footnotes. They would explain yeah. simple stuff because it drives me crazy. And you take a foreign movie set 400 years in the past and somebody goes, that will be 40 Ryu, please. 
like I don't know, is that a nickel? And yeah, they would explain. Right. Oh yeah. The little thing would come up and it would tell you that that was, you know, See, it's like could, a nickel. This right? could yeah. give Shakespeare a new life. Yeah. It was fantastic. I love <laughs> all those puns. What are you, right, you please? <laughs> and I've never seen them and they haven't done all the new ones. The new ones probably like a thousand they, times. They just, yeah, they did it, but they did it with that voice though. Rayu was a <laughs> was a form of currency. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be that, great. That Here we go. Hey, this is Josh, and that was the first part of our conversation with the great Bill Hader. We will be back next week with part two. But before we go, how about a little dip in the mailbag? Uh, let's see. No, we're not going to badmouth anybody here. Um, oh, go ahead. Who are they on the bad Somebody at, well, here, I don't really have any thoughts on this, except it. I'm sorry when anything fails. Uh, your thoughts on the Dark Universe fiasco beyond... Beyond the Mummy remake, uh, you've got a bunch of people trying to remake movies they probably haven't even seen. Uh, it's it's a commodity, you know. I mean, they, they didn't pick anybody who had any feeling for the genre, you know. I mean, was it, wasn't Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro Guillermo get, was get, do... trying to get them to let him remake the Creature in the Black Lagoon right. for years, and they right. didn't they didn't want to do that. So now he already made it. He, already, he did his Creature in the Black Lagoon movie, and yeah, he won I think an that Academy movie did Award. pretty well too. Right. It? So now they can well, fooey. Now we can't do the Creature in the Black Lagoon. <laughs> Well, you know, it's their own fault. I mean, they had a guy who would be perfect for that whole dark universe thing, and they yeah. let him get away. Well, there's also this weird thing where everything they want everything to be a shared universe. Well, uh, but that's the whole Marvel thing. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 crept down into. Well, you know, they'll all be in the same in each other's movies. And but but I feel like that if that happens organically, that seems fine. But starting with that conceit seems like a bad idea. Well, yeah, I mean, it's as if what if, what if the first Frankenstein movie was House of Frankenstein? Right. You know, <laughs> if all these extra characters in it. Seems a bad idea to green light sequels before the first movie has come out. Um, uh, here, this one's for you, Joe. Um, uh, Terry Morgan on Twitter enjoys the podcast and trailers from hell. Uh, how do you choose your gurus to work with? Well, we, the, the gimmick is uh, that, you know, we, we could have a lot of film critics and a lot of uh, academic people on who would do very erudite and smart commentaries. Uh, but we don't do that because the original concept was trying to get people to see and know about movies that they may not have heard of. And, and one of the lures for that was supposed to be that if you could find contemporary filmmakers who had some sort of profile with the audience, then, then anything they had to say about any given movie would be more interesting for people. And also it, it gives a lot of filmmakers a chance to give back. You get to talk about the things that made you like this podcast, the things that made you want to be a filmmaker in the first place. And so you, on, on trailers from hell, very often you'll find a lot of the people talking about movies and saying, well, in, in this is a movie that influenced me in some way, or this is a movie that, that I've borrowed from over the years, or, or uh, sometimes they even talk about their own movies and, and uh, you know, what they were thinking when they did them. And uh, it's been very rewarding for me because I, I get people coming up to me and saying, you know, I, I went on your website and I, I uh, saw this, uh, this director I like talking about a movie I'd never heard of, and I went and I looked at the movie, and it's really pretty interesting, and now I want to see the other films made by that director. And, and I mean, that's really how it's supposed to work and, yeah. in today's world where there's just so many things you know, competing for your eyeballs uh, to be able to get somebody, uh, give somebody a chance to get acquainted with things that they might not ordinarily come across. We, we, we just, the only, we, we don't make any money from trailers from hell, but at least over the years we've gained some notoriety. And I think we've widened the circle of people who 
know about it and uh, who um, you know have sampled it. And, and, and you know, you, you could stay on the you could stay on the site for a week and not see everything that's on. Yeah, I, I, that makes me so happy when I turn someone onto it and they call me the next day and I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> I spent the entire afternoon looking at these things. Um, yeah, I, everything Joe said, it's just such a pleasure being part of that thing and just getting to uh, talk about movies that inspired you and and that you think other people need to know about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the worst thing. I, Larry Karaszewski and I had this conversation all the time, and Larry's, um, uh, I think, slightly more insane than I am. He's he's the guy who goes on. You know, we're always talking about how we can't find trailers for certain movies. You get them off DVDs, Blu-rays. A lot of times it's YouTube. Um, Larry goes off on eBay and buys 35-millimeter prints of them and then has them converted. Um that's dedication. Uh, which I've never, oh, I think I've done that once. But well, we have a lot of trailers on the uh, on the site that, you know, there's a little button you push if you want to see the trailer without the commentary. And more often than not, it sends you to YouTube. But there's a whole bunch yeah. of trailers that only exist on our site because they're not on YouTube because nobody ever transferred them. Oh, and yeah, so I, we've actually been doing a sort of a service. I mean, there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of trailers that you can only see on our site. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, is there a, uh, Evan McKenzie on Twitter? Is there a hard-boiled noir novel series from the last 40 years that either of you think can be adapted to today's culture and societal constructs? Probably is the answer. <laughs> um, I would say yes, and it makes me insane that uh, they keep trying and it hasn't happened for whatever reason. And um, I don't know. I, I, I Probably one of my flaws as a screenwriter is if um, somebody I love gets to do a project that I wanted to do, all, all I hope is that it gets made. Um, I would kill to do Travis McGee and, um, uh, that's been plugging around for years and years and years. And I got to know Dennis Lehane many years ago from adapting a short story of his. Um, and he has written a script for it. God, maybe five years ago for Paramount. That's absolutely amazing. He did an incredible job of, of bringing McGee into the 21st century, um, keeping all of the integrity of the character intact. It's a love letter to John D. McDonald. It's so good. I have no idea why it hasn't gotten made. And they've probably done 48 drafts with 300 other writers. We should bring then. Dennis on and ask him. We should bring he's Dennis a, on and ask him. Yes, he is. He is a guru. He has come on. Um, but definitely Travis McGee. I would, I would love to, um, I would love to see those uh, happen. I kind of, you, you've seen the Rod Taylor one, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Darker that. than Amber. I love that one. Has one of the greatest fight scenes ever that I must have ripped off in at least 15 scripts where he and William Smith just beat the living crap out of each other and then start tearing the, the cabin of the boat they're in apart and start beating each other with parts of the cabin, um, apparently causing real injury to yeah. each other, which is, which is always fun. Well, they're kind of brawlers anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Very much so. Um, uh, yeah, no, Larry, Larry and I had a, had a big argument. We did the, uh, uh, that commentary for, um, uh, Dark of the Sun, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, we did it with the guys from Pure Cinema Podcast. And at one point we started talking, there was apparently a legendary fight between Rod Taylor and Jim Brown at the Playboy Mansion. Oh. And Larry refused to believe that by all accounts, Rod Taylor won handily because as, as tough a guy as Jim Brown was, Rod Taylor was an Australian boxer. Um, genuinely, seriously tough dude. And, and William Smith clearly, um, anyway, that would have been a fun set to be on to watch the two of them whacking each other with bricks. Rod was a great guy. I, I, I did a pilot with him. Oh, himself, what was, pilot? The Osiris Chronicles. It was a, we originally had hired Christopher Lee to play it. And uh, when he realized 
what his tax situation was going to be if the show sold. <laughs> he had to he had to decline, and uh, and Rod came in, and uh, working with Rod was just uh, such a pleasure. He was really, such, such a gentleman, such a terrific guy, and a really really good actor. Yeah, yeah, just fantastic, and, and I think underrated to this day. Oh, that's I didn't know that. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, you've done some stuff. Jim. There are still secrets yet to be revealed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, ah, what are some of your favorite? Here we go. The red, the red circle. The red circle asks, "What are some of your favorite foreign films? Are you a fan of films from a particular country?" Well, you know, it's harder to be a fan of foreign films today because none of them gets released in America. But uh, with the advent of Netflix, luckily, actually, I've seen a number of Chinese films just recently. Uh, because my girlfriend is doing is looking for a Chinese director for a project, and so I've been looking at some films that I would not have even knew existed uh, without without this particular place to see them. Um, when I was uh, younger, uh, the, the, the Italian movies, the French movies, uh, were Truffaut and Fellini and all that were were, were very occurrent and. Um, and I was working for Roger Corman. He ended up directing or distributing a whole bunch of these pictures because uh, audiences had soured on subtitles and dubbing at the same time. And so these pictures became much more difficult to market. Um, but uh, I, 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 re I regret what the American film industry has done to the overseas film industry. I mean, we've co-opted their markets to a point where, um, you know, they're, the indigenous filmmaking in various countries is just it's such a low ebb uh, because it's all filled with Hollywood movies right. and movies that, that not only aren't distributed in America, but are bought up and remade and we never see the originals of. So, I mean, there's a whole substrata of, uh, of film buffdom um, that in involves just foreign films right. and which used to be very available in the sixties because they were, they were different genres and they were dubbed and they were, they played everywhere and they were, you know, it Italian crime movies and you know, French thrillers and, uh, and and there's a tremendous amount of really great stuff in there, uh, but to to dig it out, you know, to scholarly uh, go in and 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 find all those genres and those directors and writers and actors is uh, it's it's a it's a world unto itself. It is. There is although Netflix is doing a great job with with some at least. There's an awful lot of Korean films now available mm -hmm. there, which is is um, I think their film industry over there is incredible. They're making really. Uh, um, I love Park Chan-wook, uh, uh, Bong Soo-han. Um, I, I almost got to work with Park Chan-wook years ago, and it was so it was a project that just fell apart for stupid business reasons. And Never heard uh, of such a thing. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. It was right after Old Boy, too, and it was just one of the greatest meetings I've ever had, and, and it never happened. There's a Canadian film from 1992 that I worship called Laolo. Uh, for the writer-director Jean-Claude Lazon, who died shortly after making it, which is just one of the most beautiful, surrealist, autobiographical, uh, I can't even describe it. Um, uh, if you have a problem watching people fuck a cat, it might be a little hard for you. But other than that, it, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's an incredible it's film. Genre. Um, there should be a Blu-ray of it. There isn't. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is working on the Yes. Now. Uh, Joe, I, I don't think you, <laughs> I have an answer for this. Joe can't answer because he's in all of them. Um, uh, Alan Mott on Twitter asks, what documentary would you love to be a talking head in, but haven't had the chance because no one has thought to make it yet? I would only say that 
I feel like there's a contractual obligation that if you make a documentary, you have to be in it. So. I, my IMDb listings, it says, as self, <laughs> as I, self. As, as far outweighs anything <laughs> I actually ever produced. But is there one you'd love to be in that no one's made yet? Uh, I, I can't even begin to answer that question because I've, my head is swimming. I turn on documentaries about subjects I don't even know anything about. I'm, I'm <laughs> there <in> you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my, my immediate thought is if anybody ever makes a documentary about um, – uh, the impact of Bruce Springsteen on screenwriters. Um, I would love to do that because when I think of actual writers who have, um, I have learned from at screenwriting specifically, uh, he's kind of top of the list. Um, weirdly, um, credible eye for just the telling detail and, uh, a real succinct sense of, of storytelling. And a, um, and a terrific writer. I mean, an you, amazing writer. you read the book, Absolutely you read amazing. the book or you see yeah. the, you see the Broadway show, and which yeah. uh, you know has been on Netflix, uh, and uh, he's uh, he's so articulate, and, he's in, and so in touch with who yep. he is. And, uh, as a New Jerseyan, I can tell you, he's, yes. he's spot on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's, I can't tell when the book came out, and people kept coming. It's like, oh wow, he's a really good writer. I was like, have you been listening to the fucking songs? <laughs> it's um, I mean, I like if you want economy, uh, how to get into a scene, you know, screen door slams, Mary's dress waves, boom, I'm in. I know what I'm seeing. I know what's happening. <laughs> shoot that i know what aspect ratio it's in i mean it's all it's all there i i would happily uh i'd pay money to be in that documentary our show was recorded in beautiful downtown burbank the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com the best damn movie website there is our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.